this. We did this last week. I'm going to do it again this week. Real quick. How many of you, your families are doing better than they've ever done before? Your families and your marriages. Just raise your hand. See, look around. Everyone take a note. Look around. How many of you, your marriages are better than they've ever been before? There's more intimacy. There's more knowledge of who each, who each other are. Yeah, amen. How many have had promotions, raises, new positions created, blessings at work? Raise your hand. Look around the room. Yeah, someone close to you. How many of you physically are more healthy than you've been? Look around the room. Yeah, that's a, pro, that's a, a declaration, and we're, we're standing, we're claiming it for those that are still fighting uh, physical battles. Look what the Lord, look around. Raise your hand if you're physically feeling better. Amen. That's the Lord. You know why that's happening? Because you've said yes to Him. Hello? You've said yes to Him and you're pursuing the Lord. And you've made Him your heart's desire. And it's impossible to put Jesus as Lord of your life and it not bring transformation. And this, will, this is a tough statement, but it's true. If we say Jesus is Lord and our life isn't transformed, then we should question our conversion. We should question, well, if, if He's really Lord, how can Jesus come live inside of a vessel and not change the whole vessel? I mean, think about that. I mean, the king of the universe comes and lives inside of us, and he brings Holy Spirit and the Father all come live inside of us. We're going to shift, and we're going to change. And so that's our number one, our prayer, our heart's desire for everyone at the Bridge Church is that you personally are transformed in every way that you need to be transformed and want to be transformed. <clears throat> then our prayer is that your family is transformed. Because we, I don't know if you've, we, some of the testimonies that come in, you don't hear all of them. But like last week, Mandy had a testimony from her school where there are, there are kids there that are demon-possessed at school. Did you know that? In public schools. Not private school. It doesn't ever happen in private school. Only in public. <laughs> but there are, there are six-year-old, seven-year-old kids there that are literally demon-possessed, full-on. And they will act out at school randomly. They will begin to throw fits, convulse on the floor, do crazy things. So you know what Mandy and, and the, the, the assistant to the principal and all those do? They begin to plead the blood of Jesus over the kid. I'm not going to name the school, and, and uh, you, you may, but anyway. And I'm not going to say who Mandy's last name is. <laughs> the fact of the matter is, they know that Jesus' blood shifts atmospheres. And I know for a fact that this school, the teachers gather on Fridays to pray. They know that there's transformation that takes place when we put Jesus in his place of authority. <clears throat> Amen? And, and what I'm seeing and the testimonies that I hear are people that make that decision to say yes. It absolutely has benefits to their life. It, it's, it pays to serve the Lord. How many believe that? Amen. How many remember before you had the Lord and after you had the Lord? And the, the pain that you have before the Lord is a little different than the pain you have with, when you're serving the Lord, isn't it? It doesn't mean there's no more pain. It's just a little bit different. It's you, just Johnson and Johnson. You have pain, but there's no more tears when you're with the Lord, right? There's still, <laughs> there's still pain. There's still tough seasons. And, and the reason we go through tough seasons is it's for our benefit. We're, we're becoming... 
we're becoming, we're, we're reaching our full potential. The testing of our faith, and James says, the testing of our faith creates endurance inside of us. That, that word endurance means I'm not going to quit no matter what things look like. Now, if my, if my walk with the Lord or if my outlook on life shifts with the circumstances of my life, then I have my hope on the wrong thing. Let me clarify that because this isn't what I was going to speak on today, but we'll go here for a minute. <clears throat> Let's say, for instance, my, I'm trying to fix our finances and become debt-free. I get a check in the mail, I'm happy. Woo! I get a big bill in the mail, I'm sad. <laughs> Someone blesses me, buys the lunch or whatever, I'm happy. I go out and my tires flatten my car, I'm sad. That, that, those things happen in life. You get flat tires. It's not the, the world conspiring against us all the time. Just things happen. The person whose hope is built on how their life is going will constantly be doing this. Because every day, every, every day you have ups and downs. Literally every day. Aren't there moments in the day where we're happier than others? And we have these, these ups and downs. What the Lord wants us to do is to put our hope in Him so that whether our tire is flat or whether we get a bill in the mail, we're happy. We're not foolish. But we're happy. Does that make sense? Because hope in a thing will always fail us. Hope in a specific outcome will fail us. Because sometimes we get what we ask for and sometimes we don't. That doesn't change who God is. And that's not what our faith is based upon. Did you know that your faith isn't proven by you getting everything you ask for? Your faith is proven in your ability to obey the Lord no matter what the season is and to be content with little or with much. I love the, 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 the lesson that Paul teaches in, in, um, throughout the New Testament. But he says that I have found the secret to contentment. Whether I have much or whether I have little, I'm okay. And then he says, it's in Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do wealthy. I mean, Paul was a wealthy man before. And then he can do shipwrecked and beaten with rods and <laughs> ran out of town and stoned and left for dead. He can do both ends of the spectrum. Why? Because he's with Christ. He can do all things through Christ. I really am looking forward to the, to the, the fullness of this in our lives where we understand that Seas are choppy, but we're consistent. Amen? Nothing's more beautiful than a son or daughter of God being consistent in their trust in Him. Amen? And it's, it's, not, it's not an easy uh, message. It's not an easy lifestyle. It, it is literally a choice. <clears throat> Everyone okay? So I, I just wanted you to think about that for a moment. Assess the life, assess the, the place that you're at in life. How is your mood with the Lord? How is, how is your relationship, your connection with Him? Is it 
Is it steadfast regardless of either side? I love that song we sing, If My Heart Is Overwhelmed and I Cannot Hear Your Voice. I love that whole song because it talks about the good, the bad. When I have everything that I want, when I want from you, can I pursue you? When I have nothing and everything's falling apart, can I pursue you? What's the point? We cannot be circumstance-driven people. Like, crisis should not ignite our hunger and pursuit for God any more than blessing or any less than blessing. Is this okay? This is where I'm at. I'm learning because I'm one of those people. I like to get my way. I don't know how you feel, but I like to get what I want. Anyone else like that? You can have it your way. Burger King was speaking my love language. You can have it your way. Good, because I only want meat and cheese. That's the way I want it. I want to taste the burger. But we have all this. We want things our way. And I know from personal experience, my mood doesn't, isn't as good when things aren't going the way that I think they should. And I think that's just human nature, but I also know my na- it's my nature for sure. I can't speak for everyone, but it is definitely my nature. And I don't want to, to have my relationship with the Lord based upon how things are going. Because, believe it or not, this is what the Lord is speaking to me this week in, in my sozo time this week, that just because I don't see the fruit that I feel like I've sown doesn't mean that the seed isn't doing what it's supposed to under the surface. Right. <laughs> I want it now. I want to put it in the microwave and just push 30 seconds and express it's not even 30 seconds, it's express. You want it fast. You want to cook it fast. You want everything right now. And, and that sometimes affects our mood. And it, more than what I'm saying, it's not so much our mood. It affects our pursuit of God. Most of all, it affects our pursuit of God. And I want my pursuit for God to always increase and go from glory to glory and not be predicated upon how my life looks, good or bad. I think the good is sometimes the most dangerous side because we kind of think, oh, we've got this. I got the wheel, Lord. I can drive this now. And we sometimes forget about him in the really good seasons of our life. For some reason, hitting rock bottom, it's really easy to remember the Lord. And the Lord's cool with that. But mature Christians... Mature sons and daughters have a desire to be complete and mature, not lacking anything, knowing that, you know what, I've found the secret to to life. I can be content with anything. So, Father, we ask right now that you would would, uh, sow this word into our heart, that we would learn the secret of being content, happy and thankful for what we have, yet balancing that with hunger for more. And so I just ask that you would infuse that into us as a body and that it would produce breakthrough in our pursuit of you. Hmm. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, you good? Here's going to be the craziest transition ever. Today I'm speaking on the tithe. You're like, whoa, I never talk, I hardly ever preach on money, right? But today I'm going to, and here's why. Because the tithe 
It belongs to the Lord. And it benefits us. It's the only place in the whole Bible where God says, test me, try me in this and see if I won't pour out upon you blessings that you cannot contain. And so, Father, we ask that you would help us have a spirit of wisdom and revelation today that we may know you better and that your word would produce fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you want to open to Malachi 3 and Proverbs 3. So Malachi 3 and Proverbs 3. And we're going to get into this pretty quickly. All right? We'll read that in a moment. But uh, I have other scripture we're going to read. So Now remember uh, two weeks ago, we talked about building upon, there's three foundations we can build upon. There's the religious foundation, there's the political foundation, and then there's the kingdom. Only what we build upon the kingdom and on Jesus Christ as Lord will last. So if I build my financial outlook, if I build the way I do budgets and bills on religious exercise, then it will crumble and fall. If I only do the, the spiritual things because of religion, because I'm obeying the letter of the law, then it will crumble and fall through the testing of time. If I obey the Lord in tithes and offerings out of a political spirit, out of pressure from leadership or pressure from religious leaders or pressure from people around me, I may obey the Lord for a period of time, but through the testing and through the trials and seasons, that foundation will crumble and fall too, because there's no substance to the political foundation or the religious foundation. But if I will build my financial obedience upon the kingdom and upon Jesus Christ as Lord, then no matter what season I go through, the Lord will show himself faithful and I will be steady and it will never crumble and fall. Amen? So I wanted to start there really quickly because because the tithes and offering is a lordship issue. It's not it's not only obedience. It's lordship. <laughs> Amen. It's a lordship issue. It means I am under his submission and the tithe literally belongs to God and because he's my lord I obey him in that. Amen. You guys okay? Now let me tell you this. I'm not preaching this because our church is in debt and we need money. Amen. Our bills are paid. You guys are awesome and faithful. That's not why I'm, I'm not teaching on the tithe because we need our tithe to increase. I'm teaching on the tithe because it is a key to revival. Absolutely a key to revival. Because once we resolve the issue of money, how many would be honest, like, Money is probably one of the biggest things that, that we struggle with. It's also one of the biggest things that we take control of as humans. Like, it's ours. I earned this. I worked hard. I worked 50 hours last week for this money. I want to spend it how I want to, right? And so it is a lordship issue. And if you'll even read through Jesus' teaching, he talks about money and stewardship more than he talks about hell. Because he said this, where your treasure is, your heart will be there also. Inconsistency in our religious walk, in our, in our Christianity, in our relationship with the Lord, in our devotion to the Lord, can have a direct correlation to a lack of obedience in our tithes and in our offerings. Okay, so to start out, I want to go here with this, because this is very important. How many have heard the word prosperity gospel? 
Okay, let's just say this first of all. The gospel causes people to prosper. Period. But prosperity looks really different in America where you can make 60, 70, 80, 100,000, whatever you work really hard you can make. It looks really different in America to prosper than it does in India to prosper. So how can I say, because I make more money a year, I'm really prospering? Well, what does that say about all the believers in India or name another country in South America, wherever, where they make $500 in a whole year? How can we say that they're not prospering? It's not about how much you make. It's about how well we steward what we have. Amen? Now, because there is so much error in the prosperity gospel, and I will say this, I apologize to you on behalf of all preachers. Because it has happened that we, that we have seen the gospel of prosperity preached out of fear, out of building budgets that we have to pay for, out of personal ambition, out of lack of stewarding what, what, what ministers have had that, that came into them. All different reasons why. And the pressure, the religious pressure, the political pressure, has caused the prosperity gospel to, to come under fire. And honestly, in a lot of churches, when you say you're going to preach on money, man, it's, oh, man, why did I come today? Of all the days I chose to came, why today? Or we hear about money on TV and we just get angry or frustrated. Amen to that. You're t- we'll, get it. we'll talk more about that maybe. But, but when the issue of finances is settled, there is no offense when it's talked about. What's the old saying? Someone said they were sitting in a rocking chair and they were petting their cat. And the cat was faced the wrong direction. And they say, hey, you're petting the cat. The cat's the wrong direction. He's like, well, if the cat doesn't like it, the cat can turn around. (laughs) If we don't like the topic of finances, then we need to turn around. The Lord's not going to change the subject. Let me just say this. If the issue of tithes and offerings annoys you, get ready for it to keep coming up. (laughs) I mean, no, that's the truth. It, it will keep coming up because like, oh, I can't get away from this. Why? Because the Lord in his mercy is continuing to offer an invitation into obedience. Why? Because he wants to pour out upon us blessings that we cannot contain. What does that look like? I don't know. However, he wants to bless me. For me, I think in my family, we're not wealthy at all. When my parents pass away, I don't think they'll have any money. I'm going to change that hopefully for my kids. I want to save up for my kids' kids. That's my goal. For my children's children. It's biblical. Wise people save up an inheritance for their children's children. Everyone okay? So I look at my family. We're healthy. We, we serve the Lord. All my, bro- my brother, my sister, my kids, my, my nieces, nephews, we serve the Lord. And it, to me, that is the blessing of the Lord. That is prosperity. So I don't know how the Lord will bless, but He will bless you. Amen? All right, so let's, uh, let's talk about this real quick. When the prosperity gospel is, is perverted, it's because a spirit called mammon has crept into the message. And the spirit of mammon is a, is a demonic influence that tries to affect the, ec- the economics and the finances of an entire region. So when, 
How many have, have noticed that you can drive through pockets and places and cities and there's poverty? And, and, and you're, I don't understand why there's poverty here. I mean, some of the most beautiful places in Dallas-Fort Worth have, have gone to ruins and poverty. I mean, the old part of Dallas is beautiful. It's hilly. There's beautiful trees everywhere. Yet this spirit of poverty has come into the neighborhood and taken grip. Why? Because it's a prevailing spirit. It's not just one person had a hard time with money and so it caused the neighborhood to, to, to struggle and crumble. It's an actual prevailing influence that must be defeated. Now, when I don't pay my tithes or my offerings, I am giving opportunity for the spirit of mammon to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, listen to me. Well, well I don't want to jump ahead. <clears throat> but just because there's been um, negative things attached to the gospel uh, when we speak about money doesn't mean we throw out the message of the gospel. It's important. And, and if you hear my heart, if you hear anything else, hear this. I really want for you to be debt free, for you to own your house, to own your cars as much as possible, to, to not have debt. I, I mean, that's just the best way to live. It's not an easy way to live. And like Dave Ramsey says, live today like no one else, so tomorrow you can live like no one else. It's, it's the mentality of, I'm going to make some tough decisions now so that later I don't have to make tough decisions. And so I just, I wanted to, to talk about that for a moment because I, I have been annoyed with, with some of the prosperity gospel stuff that's spoken. Because I'm like, that doesn't sound like the Lord. The Lord doesn't twist our arm and make us give our tithe. He gives us an invitation. He doesn't manipulate. He even says in the New Testament, it says, don't give. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. But don't give out of, out of manipulation or out of obligation. Everyone good? All right, let's move on. Let's read Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10. Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10. I love this. This is a great scripture. It's right after trust in the Lord with all your heart as well. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will be filled with new wine. How awesome is that? When we honor the Lord with our first fruits, our barns are filled with grain and our vats are filled with new wine. All right, let's read Malachi 3 real quick and we'll jump into this and we'll close it up. Malachi 3, verse 6. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you've turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. He tells him, return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? And here's what the Lord says. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. <laughs> but you ask, how are we robbing you? And this is what he says, in tithes and offerings. Therefore, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Why? That there may be food in his house. He says, in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. Open heavens are attached to our obedience in our finances. 
And I will pour out upon you blessings that you will not have enough room to store. Then he tells what he will do. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. And, from, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before they're ready. How good is that? Then all nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. All right, let's, <clears throat> let's get into this for a moment. The word tithe literally means a tenth, 10%. I love that the Lord makes it simple. 10% for everyone. 10% for you is 10% for me. It doesn't matter how much. We need a tax system like that. Again, I'll say this. When you're voting, if, you, if there's a candidate that says they believe in this kind of tax, you look deeply into that candidate and maybe vote for them. I don't know if you want to, but they're a good person. The tithe is uh, that the Lord requires is 10% of our income. And I'm just going to read through my notes because I don't want to miss anything. Because I don't talk about this very often. I want to do it right. All right? Some people have said, well, do I tithe on the gross or the net? And the answer is, well, it depends. Do you want to be blessed on the gross or blessed on the, on the net? It's up to you. You can choose. Everyone all right? Is that okay? Yeah. All right, good. Tithing is the minimal amount of obedience. It's the minimum. <laughs> Who was it? Dick Joyce is a prophet and... And he says, so you tithe. Good, you don't rob God. Good for you. <laughs> Pat yourself on the, good for you. You don't rob God. Aren't you awesome? There's more to it, right? <clears throat> All right, here's, here's where I wanted to go real quick because many have taught, and there's a new teaching that comes out and it says that tithing is no longer applicable to Christians, to believers, because it was under the law and Jesus fulfilled the law. So the tithe is no longer necessary. How many of you have ever heard that teaching before? It's, it's not true. <clears throat> Tithing actually came before the law. When Abraham, in Genesis 14, I would love for you to read it on your own time, but in Genesis 14, the Bible says that Melchizedek, and he's a type of Christ, you can read about him in Hebrews, that it says that Jesus would come in the order, the priesthood of Melchizedek. And if you look in the Bible, Melchizedek has no ancestry, no beginning and no end. Like you can't, everyone else in the Bible, mostly, it tells where they came from. There's, an, there's a, a genealogy. Well, he has none because he's a type of Christ. It's a prophetic thing. And in Genesis 14, it says that Melchizedek came out as the priest before Abram, before he was Abraham, came out to Abram and he blessed him with bread and with wine. What do those two things represent in the kingdom? The bread is the word of the Lord, and the wine is the Holy Spirit, the the water, the Holy Spirit. So Melchizedek's job as the priest was to minister the word of the Lord and to, to cause the wine of the Holy Spirit to flow. That's the job of the church, is to, to bring the bread and the wine. Amen? So when Melchizedek honors Abram, in ministry, and brings him the bread and the wine, Abram takes 10%, a tenth, of all of his possessions and gives it to the priest. And he instituted the tithe. So this was 400 years before Moses wrote down the law, and the tithe was added into the law. So the tithe was before the law. It was 
It was added to the law because the Lord says, this is a good practice. Let's add this into the law. And it continued after the law. Because in the New Testament, in John 8, Jesus is talking to them. And they say, hey, we've never been servants to anyone. We're Abraham's descendants. And he says, oh, good for you. But if you were Abraham's descendants, you can read it on your own, John 8, 31 through 44. If you were Abraham's descendants, then you would do what Abraham did. Well, what did Abraham do? He tithed. They were bragging that they tithed even down to the spices that they have. And he's like, well, do the deeds of Abraham. How many of you know what we are as believers? When we come into the kingdom, we are now also children of Abraham. So for those that teach and and would like to say and argue that the tithe isn't part of the law, don't argue with them. Let the Lord deal with it, right? All right, we good? So the principle of the tithe continues on throughout the New Testament. And it's not only the tithe, but he says your tithes and your offerings. The tithe goes to the storehouse. And I'll say this. Wherever your local church is, where you get the word and the wine, is where you pay your tithe. You don't pay it to televangelists. Go to their church. If I mean that's what you know, we always say. Well, just go to their church. If they, just make it legal. Just go there. It's all right. I, I love the. You wouldn't go eat at the Olive Garden, and then go pay your check at Chili's. You're going to pay where you eat. Melchizedek, the priesthood, their job, our job, my job, the leadership's job is to provide the bread and the wine. And I would say we do that. I would say that we always hear the word of the Lord, whether it's for me, whether it's you're talking to the word of the Lord is here. The bread is here. The wine is here. The Holy Spirit always shows up. You feel his sweet presence. Amen. All right. Now, here's the thing about the tithe. What does tithe mean? 10%. Whether I give my tithe in obedience or not, the tithe doesn't belong to me. So even if I say, you know what, I'm not going to do this, God. The 10% will disappear from my account somehow. Sometimes more. Now, listen, it is not the Lord saying, I'm going to punish them for not tithing. If we think that's how God is, then we don't understand the principle of the tithe. I, in obedience to the Lord, tithe because he says that he will protect all of mine. What I put into his hands in obedience, he takes care of all of it. It's an insurance policy. So for me to think, well, the Lord's going to punish me for not tithing, we don't understand God. He wants to pour out upon us blessings that we cannot contain. The only way for that to happen is through obedience. Now, where, where I see us, and we even sang this morning, we want revival fires to burn. I know that all of the great revivals around the world, they all are launched through generosity and obedience through finances. It's, it's, you have the prayer and the fasting that all goes into it. But something happens to a culture of people when they learn 
the lordship of Jesus and the tithes and the offerings and they're generous people. I don't know how to explain it, but something happens in those places and revival always breaks out. Everyone's so good. So if I don't pay my tithe to the Lord, it it doesn't cause the Lord to punish me. It simply opens up a, a door where the devourer has legal access. He has legal access to that money. Is everyone okay? Now your offering, you can give your offering wherever you want to. Anywhere you want to. You can give it to another church, another ministry. You can give it to the homeless shelter. You can give it to the homeless people on the side of the street. The offering is whatever you want to give out of the overflow of your heart. It's an offering to the Lord. But I can't call my offering the tithe. And if I don't tithe, then my offering is really meaningless. Because the Lord says first things first. He's precept upon precept, line upon line. Now why am I saying, why am I teaching this? Because I want all of us to be debt free and for the devourer to get his stingy hands off of our money. Have you ever just like, good night, why are these why are all these things happening? Stop and think for a second. Have I been obedient to the Lord in my tithes and my offerings? If not, go back and fix that. Now, I will say this, that you may not hear anywhere else. If you don't have the faith yet to do your 10%, start with one. Start with one in faith. Say, Lord, I'll do this. And the Lord will increase. He'll help you till you can get to your 10%. I I believe that because the Lord's merciful. And I believe that there is... um, there's ho- it's like learning to ride a bike. It's okay. You're still in the fall. We're getting our balance. It's okay. But the Lord wants us to be obedient in the full 10% because he says that if, you're, if you test me in this, I will pour out upon you blessings of heaven. I will pour out the floodgates. And that includes everything. Amen? And so when we were growing up, <clears throat> uh, my dad's a really generous person. They always gave ridiculous amounts, way above their tithe and their offering. Now, I would say that that's not always wise. Because sometimes you need to learn how to manage your 91, your 89% or whatever it is, your 10%, your offering maybe 1%. You need to learn how to manage the 89% and not give it away. Sometimes it's a cop-out to just give it away and I don't have to manage it. I don't trust me with this. I got to give it to someone else. The Lord sometimes says, no, I need you to keep what's yours. You may go through a really tough season. And you, need to sa- you need to save up for the next season. The Lord knows. So it, the, the critical thing with tithes, 10% is the Lord's. It does, I don't have any, there's no conversation with the Lord on that. Just, here you go, Lord. It's yours. My dad always taught us our first check that we write, our tithe. First fruits, first check. Write it out. Go ahead and set it unto the Lord. Take it out of your account, whatever you have to do, because it belongs to the Lord. And then be obedient in offerings. Proverbs teaches all through it that, that the generous man will be blessed. Just in every way. That, and, and that when, when righteous prosper, listen to me. <laughs> when the righteous prosper, what happens? The city rejoices. <laughs> now this whole year is about transformation. And I can't wait to really kick into gear of the, the I have uh, all the stuff laid out for the next few months of where we're going in transformation. Um, Nick's testimony next week is on transformation at the workplace. 
that's what we're going to focus on this year. It's, it's got to go from, from here, from my family, out. It's got to go out. <clears throat> now, what would, it, what would it look like if the church became debt-free? What would it look like if churches owned their own building, owned their own property, were in no debt? Think, <laughs> debt is a curse. It just is. Now, there is some debt that you, you have a house payment, fine. Not everyone has 200000 or whatever your house costs to pay for it. That's cool. There's some debt that you have to have. But you know what I'm talking about. The other debt's a curse. Because it's like handcuffs. I can't do this because of what I did a long time ago. Hey, man, I know that story really well. We're, we're on the back end of tough seasons financially for, our, for my family. We're on the, we see the light. I think we even see the edge of the tunnel. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Man, I just want to get excited about that, man. Uh, yeah, debt is it, because you can't do what you want to do. You can't take $100 out of your budget and go buy groceries for somebody. You just can't do it. I don't have groceries for my family. So what does it look like when a group of believers get their house in order and debt free? They manage their money well. They are obedient to the Lord in their finances. And then they're unleashed on a culture. <laughs> With Jesus is Lord. The key. The key is that Jesus is Lord. The only human being that can be trusted on the planet is one who Jesus is Lord of their life. No one else can be trusted. (laughs) So when the righteous prosper, whatever that looks like, when the righteous prosper, the city The entire city rejoices. Now, in the next few weeks, you're going to hear testimonies from around the world of whole cities and whole nations prospering under the power of the gospel. The gospel of prosperity. When righteous people, where Jesus is Lord, go into a, a city, into a nation, and break the religious and political spirits with the with the kingdom foundation, where Jesus is Lord of those people. It completely changes the whole city. It just does. How many want to sign up for that? And not only does the city rejoice, but my posterity, my family lineage, my kids and my grandkids step into a covenant that I make with the Lord. I mean, when I was a little kid, one of my jobs was, I started working in the church when I was little, little bitty. Some of you know, you had little kids, man, you give them something to do, go sweep, go do something. Mine was to clean out the pews and put all the money that people dropped in the change back in the offering bucket. What was that teaching me as a little kid? If you find money in the church, it's not yours. It belongs to the Lord, and it taught me stewardship. It taught me Man, I, I haven't thought about that in a while since it just came up to me. My dad taught me that on purpose. I think he knew I would be a pastor someday. There's just these things that, that the Lord does that we don't even know sometimes. And he's 
pouring blessing upon us that we can't contain. We, sometimes we can't even record what the Lord's done. Is everyone okay? All right, we good? So I can say, oh, good. <laughs> no, it's really important. It's important that we manage finances. And, you know, one of the other things that, that um, we've tried to do, it's not always easy, but we've tried to tithe or give 10% to ourselves and save. That's, that's a hard, it's hard. But how awesome would it be if we were able to live on 80% or 79% of our salary? And we could save money for tomorrow. Instead of paying debt from yesterday, we could save for tomorrow. A penny saved, penny earned. <laughs> so would you stand? I just want to pray um, into this. I'm going to take a big chance, yeah? Years ago, when I first um, heard of Bethel and we went out there, we heard a testimony um, that when, when Bill came to, to Reading, his dad had pastored there before, then there was another pastor before him, and then Bill came. He taught on money a lot the first, the first when he came, on generosity. And one of the things he did was he took up like um, a repentance offering is what he called it. And everything that came in in that offering, he gave away to another church. They didn't keep it. It wasn't like, oh, we need it for, the, for Bethel or we need it for this church. They gave it away to another church that was in need. And they knew about it. And so I, I'm going to do that. I, you know, I, I feel like it's the right thing to do. I don't, it doesn't matter what comes in. It's an act of obedience. And I'm going to get my wife to get our checkbook. And we're going to give something. And we're going to give it away to a church close to us. We'll find, we'll find a place. All the money will be given away. We won't keep a penny of it. We'll give it away to someone that needs it. And I, you know, I've, I know lots of different people that um, churches around here are just struggling. It's been a hard season. Um, and so I want to do that. It's just a repentance offering. And before we do, I want to pray. And I guess we need to bring, um, bring a bucket up if you can, Kyle. Thank you. Father, we love you. And... I love how you always, like you're always creating doors and gates into your kingdom. You're, you're always finding ways to give more of yourself to us. And so, Lord, today we, we surrender to you. We submit to you as Lord. And we want to be obedient in our tithes and our offerings. And we want to enter into your kingdom. You said there's only one way in. That's through your son. If we try to come another way, then we're a thief and a robber. So, God, today we surrender. We say yes. And I ask that you would forgive us. We wipe away the past of maybe we were um, foolish or irresponsible or didn't manage well. We didn't pay our tithes. Or maybe we were just outright disobedient. We're sorry. We ask you forgive us. We want to start anew and afresh today. 
And so, Lord, I ask that you would bless everyone here with the courage and the desire to be obedient and that they would see the benefits and the prosperity that comes with covenant with you. Your Lord, you own it all. For me to, to take the ten and do what I want with it is arrogance, God. So I ask you forgive me, forgive us as a church, and we want to see breakthrough in our finances. Hmm. Lord, we're testing you in this. And we want to see you open the windows of heaven and pour out upon us blessings that we don't have room for. Whatever that looks like, God. So we say yes to you. We just make a commitment to the Lord right where you're at. Just however you want to talk to him. I wrote this down, um, I guess it was Wednesday. Whatever amount of money that I could spend or lose right now and not feel it is excess in my budget. If I could just lose 100 bucks and be like, oh, well, I lost 100 bucks, then it's excess. And it should be used to paying off debt or saving. That's just something I wrote for me, just a thought that came in like, man, if I could just lose it, then why don't I make it work for me? If I would just waste it, spend a, you could spend a hundred bucks going to the movie theater, four people, easily. I mean, what, seven bucks for popcorn or whatever? It's ridiculous. Five something for a small soda adds up really quickly, besides the tickets. So I'm not against that. You need family time. I'm not saying that at all. But if we could just lose it, then maybe we should re, reappropriate it. <laughs> Amen? Is everyone Okay. You guys still, you good. I want to say, we're going to close out. If you need prayer, if you want prayer, we want to pray with you. We want to agree with you and touch heaven with you. So we'll be here at the front. Please don't leave with a need. I think we do this way too often. We get in a hurry to go. So please come up. We have a job to do. We need to do it. So we'll be here waiting for you. And uh, again, this offering that's coming in now, what, if the Lord tells you to give a, a penny, I don't. it doesn't matter to me. I, I won't even... I don't care what total that comes in. It's going to all be given away, and it's, it's a repentance offering, and we want it to be a sacrifice unto the Lord. So, Father, I ask you now that you would bless what we do right now. And I'm, I'm actually, I want to attach something to it, Father. I want it to bring breakthrough in our families and our homes, God. We want to see the windows of heaven open. We want this to break the back of the devourer and the spirit of mammon, God. We want this to be a decree and a declaration that you are Lord, and that we trust you, God. Now, Lord, I ask that you would guide us specifically to the right place to sow seed. In Jesus' name, amen. And I'll I'll be speaking with um, some of our leaders, Tatili, and some of our leaders on where they think this money should go. I won't make the decision myself. We'll have people do it. So we just bless you today. Thank you for being here.